0: 18
1: plus hello and welcome to this episode of the star wars generations podcast i'm your co-host aaron mcgowan joined by my other two co-hosts alex and matthew say hey matthew what's up this guy Thank you Thank you
2: Alex. I, I've been turn? spending all the time with a little baby my niece. It's almost Thanksgiving. I'm bringing out all the dad jokes so that that's what you're getting today.
1: I love it. I love it Alex you How's it? what's up?
0: Oh hey everyone you know having a having a, a long day today before Thanksgiving had to get a whole bunch of food and alcohol and get my new phone so I haven't had access to the world for four hours. but we're here now and we're gonna talk about Star Wars because who cares about the it- world?
1: There you go. Amen. You go. Never were truer words <laughs> spoken. So yes, the three of us, as always, up to our bullshit. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, if you're interested in a little bit more bullshit from us, we do have a membership program you guys can join. It's $5 a month, or if you want to do a full year, it's $55. But you get bonus little mini minisodes where we're going to be t- going through the book from a certain point of view, which is a retelling of the movie A New Hope from... Basically, side characters, point of views. So, yeah, we're going through chapter by chapter. After each episode, you also get ad-free content. And you get to support us because, as you can tell, we're kind of a mess. So, any little help can help. (laughs) You know, I'll take it. Anything will help. Um, Yeah, so, today, we are- I'll just
2: quickly add, um, if you're just a Star Wars fan, that's totally cool. But if you're also a fan of the other Ethical Panda podcast, Superhero Ethics, you get all the same stuff for it, too. It's one membership program for both podcasts. And with that, I am done, and I'm handing it back over to Aaron because I don't have to do any work today.
1: Great addition. Thank you, Matthew. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, today we're continuing our coverage of the Star Wars movies, the live-action films, all nine of them, in release order, not chronological, because we're not crazy people. This week we're talking about The Empire Strikes Back. Going into it, Alex, what were you thinking? Well, you know, from when
0: I was younger, I always found The Empire to be one of the more complete movies, better than A New Hope, uh, one of my all-time favorites. I believe I ranked it in the top three in my ranking list. Um, So it's always a treat when I get to watch it. I've also... I watch this movie probably once every two months. It's just just so good. Um, But when I I do it this time around, I, I really just wanted to, like wanted to kind of let go of all my preconceptions of how much I liked it and just kind of look at it with a more critical eye. Um, and even by doing that, I really could not find very much wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just feels like such a, you know, a perfect <clears throat> sequel. Like, you know, so often sequels fall flat on their faces, especially when you have such a triumphant movie like Star Wars, and somehow they made a better movie the second time around, which is mind-blowing to me. But, well, you know, I don't know. I, I think that... We'll get into the we'll get into the, the nitty gritty here in a minute, but I'm, I'm curious uh, what our our resident original trilogy <laughs> baby thinks about it.
1: How does it feel getting yeah, called the thinking, baby, Matthew? Uh, you
2: know, I just spent a lot of time with one, which made me feel very old. So I'm kind of enjoying it. I I even got carded yesterday, which is wow. you know really a nice wow. feeling. I think it's by law they have to do it, but I'm going to take it as a they thought I was in my twenties. Exactly. So Sounds anyway, like I mom. I was thinking about it a lot more, especially after our ranking episode. And I think one of the things that I was realizing is that part of why I I don't think of this movie on its own very often is to me, it's the middle part of a three-part story. You know, a lot of like I watch Star Wars: A New Hope a lot by itself, but most of the time, if I watch Empire, it's because I'm watching all three in a row. And you know, when you think of a good story, often like the beginning and the end are the parts that you most remember. But the middle parts, like, they have to get you from point A to point C. And and I've always thought of Empire as being, like, very good for that. But but not necessarily my favorite because it isn't, you know, the big flashy beginning or the big flashy end. And so, I really kind of went into it with, a, like, let me just look at this movie on its own. Kind of, like, not thinking of it as the middle part, but just what does it do as a movie? It's as a, like, two and a half hour viewing yeah, experience. For
1: me, um, I haven't seen this movie in quite a while, actually. And so, I didn't remember... The entire plot. I, for some reason, didn't think Bespin was in this movie. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I just am so disconnected, apparently. Anyways, but, um, yeah, I was just kind of excited to watch it. And I texted my dad the day before. I was like, hey, do you want to watch it with me? He didn't text me back. Um, so then I asked him, I was like, did you want to watch that? And he was like, I didn't think I had to respond. It's always a yes. So we watched it together, <laughs> and that man. was fun. But um, real quick, before we get into it more... I'm assuming you've seen this movie, because it's been out for a long time, and if you're listening, you're a fan. But, quick recap, IMDB's version, it says, after the Rebels are overpowered by the Empire, Luke Skywalker begins his Jedi training with Yoda, while his friends are pursued across the galaxy by Darth Vader and bounty hunter Boba Fett and friends. I added and friends, but it's because I think Bosk and the other ones are important, too.
0: Did you also add Rebs instead of Rebels?
1: Rebs. So... I, I, I just
2: want to say, let's officially go into a spoiler warning. Yep. Spoiler session. Three, two, one. Vader is Luke's father.
1: Yep. That's the spoiler of the century. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see. Matthew, what did you notice this rewatch that you haven't necessarily noticed before? So,
2: I think I was able to better put my finger on why I don't see this movie quite as highly as other people do. And, and 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 to be very clear, like, it is in my top five, and I think the top, like, you know, if my bottom are kind of like a 2 out of 10, a 4 out of 10, a 6 out of 10, for me those top five are like 9.999 versus 9.994. You know, it's, it's very... I'm not saying I think it's bad in any way. <clears throat> it's just a tiny smidge below some of the others. But I think it's because... I think in some ways I was too young for this movie. Like, there's a lot of parts of this movie that are, in many ways, I think part of why people like it so much is I think that it deals with some of the more adult aspects in ways that I think are easy to miss, you know? And I, like, looking at it today, all of the stuff about Leia and Han and the subtleties of the romance went completely over my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember being like, wait, she kept saying, like, this is not what she wants. Why is she kissing him? Why does she say she loves him? Um, and we can talk about the sort of ethics of that romance and how it maybe not aged the best, but still, like the like her conflicted feelings, totally over my head. All the stuff about the subtlety of Darth Vader's performance, which in many ways I think James Earl Jones is like one of the. I think this is far and away his best voice acting. Like he's amazing in all the movies, but this one, just the the subtlety of what Vader is going through and how he's trying to play this delicate dance of his alliance to the Emperor and some of that stuff. Like, I just think there was just so much of this movie that just went right over my head when I was a kid, when I was first watching it at age of like four or five. And, you know, I think it is still, like, it just doesn't have that nostalgia feel for me, but it is still, I think, you know, in terms of it being just the best technically made, yeah, I think it is just a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Great writing, great dialogue, great acting, great directing, just overall great.
1: Absolutely. Mic drop. Thank you. <laughs> Alex, what were things that stood out to you.
0: Yeah, I have a few things. Um, one, and I mentioned this very briefly, but said I ex- in the last episode, but said I would expand upon it this time. So I'm going to expand go. upon it. Um, I feel like Mark Hamill's acting really reached a new level in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. specifically um, during the scenes with Yoda. I mean, you know, it's, it's one human actor with a puppet. Like Frank Oz is there, but he's underneath the, the floor. Um, and if you have R2, which I, I highly doubt that uh, Kenny Baker was sitting in there for hours on end just to <laughs> stand there and beep around. So it, Mark Hamill had to basically act with no other humans. And from what I read um, on Wikipedia and beyond, it, it was weeks of that where it was just him on the call sheet. And so I really think that his acting takes off. And because Luke is the main character uh, or one of the two main characters in, in this, one of the few main characters in this movie, um, I feel like it really just enhances the overall experience a lot more also uh a few other things i didn't notice uh one's kind of cool i think one's me being nitpicky i think um one is that did you ever notice that when the bounty hunters are all lined up on the star destroyer um invader like stops at 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 uh, boba fett and he's like you know no yes i never i never gave any thought to that i was like oh you know that's just him being silly that's a fun line sorry um but what I'm realizing more and more is the the theory behind like did Boba is the is Boba the one that flew on down a Tatooine and torched Ben and um Aunt Peru and Uncle Ben. Uncle Owen, God. Uh-huh. Is Boba Fett the one that came down and torched Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen? See. Um God. Okay, I said I said Uncle Ben. And Ben Kenobi, it's in my no, head. I'm sorry, fine. I went too much. It's fine. Just move on. But point is, that's a fun little thing I picked up on. Another Wait, can thing I say something I, that about I... that thing? Yes.
1: So when I heard that, I thought of a distinctly different thing. He said no disintegrations, and I thought about my little Star Wars game and how the Mandalorian has this dope ass ability to disintegrate people with his Ampen pul- Phase Pulse Blaster, <clears throat> Ampen Phase mm. Pulse Blaster. And so I was like, maybe it's because it's like a Mandalorian thing that they like. Since Vader made a comment about disintegrations, they decided to, in the future, create, like, a disintegration gun for Mandalorians and bounty hunters. But I like that it could be taken either way, because they also did just incinerate Baru and Owen. (laughs)
2: Well, Like, you you guys have seen the Mandalorian TV show, right? Like, there's a still skeleton. They use that gun in the TV show, The Mandalorian, and when it happens, it's complete disintegration. There's no skeleton left behind.
0: Like, I I don't think there's any connection... Okay, that's fair. I'm sorry. Okay, but like in episode, okay, but in episode four, why would they burn just those two? They didn't burn the Jawas the same way. All I'm saying is that like it's possible. It's a
1: possibility. It is a possibility. Um, no, but it's
0: not, I mean, but okay. another thing that, I, well, I mean, if you want to get into that, I, I think it's cool that like they based they they spun off so much lore over one cool costume design choice in you know 1980. Fair um, much so. The other thing that I kind of noticed that I that I hadn't really noticed in the past. And this kind of goes also hand in hand with my like what didn't really work for me, um, but it's it's like, but <laughs> you have always advanced tracking, you know, and the the Falcon is traveling to Bespin after escaping um, the Exogorth, which is the actual name of that giant worm they were in, um, and the fleet basically, and then Boba Fett just follows them in Slave One, at like sublight speeds, and, and they never notice him, and I was kind of like, huh. I didn't really give any thought to it. I just kind of was like, oh, okay, you know, he follows them. They, you know, they get to they get the best bit. But the more Star Wars content I consume, the more of that just seems excessively unlikely for that to happen. Unless Han is just a boneheaded pilot,
1: yeah. Which
0: maybe he is. I mean, but um, I also the last thing I'll say is I also noticed more of the romance this time, just like Matthew did. You know, I, I think I've, I've always just kind of like not looked passive. I didn't really care about it when I was younger. I cared about like. Ooh, Hoth! Super cool giant snow battle, and um, I really, you know, I, I love the the giant, you know, ATAT walkers when I was a kid, and still wasn't an a I like them. Um, but I also really loved, um, I mean, the battle between between Luke and Vader is 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 such a step up from the one between Obi Wan and Vader on the Death Star. Like it's so much more movement and intensity, and the music that John Williams scores is so beautiful mm-hmm. and. I've always focused on that, but this time I did also notice more of of the romance and the subtleties there that I think actually enhanced the movie even more than I even give it credit for before. So, if anything, I like it even more now. Yeah, I hear that. Aaron. what do you think?
1: Uh, No, it's funny. I noticed the same thing of you guys. Like, one of my first notes is Han and Leia starting out hot. (laughs) Like, I never, when I've seen that when I was younger and just paying less attention, like, I didn't see the nuances of, like, the aggressive flirting. And, like, mm-hmm. paying more attention to the movie this time, I was like, oh, I I get it. I do. I get it now. Like, I see it. So, yeah, that's something that kind of stood out. Also, there's just a lot of things I noticed this time through um, that I have loved since I was a kid through the Clone Wars. Like, probe droids were so cool and scary because of the Clone Wars to me. Mm-hmm. There was medical mm-hmm. droids. And it's like I saw for the first time ever, like, a medical droid of the same design they have in the Clone Wars. And I was like... It's just so cool to look back and all these things that I grabbed onto as a kid as cool little gimmicks of Star Wars were from the originals and like, oh yeah, people who were kids then are gonna grab onto those same ideas.
2: Like it's so awesome. Just we get three seconds of Bosk, the, yeah. the 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 lizard like yep. um, bounty hunter who both him and his people, the Trandoshans, then go on to be like huge parts of the overall Star Wars universe.
1: Yeah, there's just so much. So many great things introduced in this movie that's just expanded on so much as the lore continues.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Canteen episode four and the bunch of bounty hunters in episode five, they just exploded into so many side stories and storylines, which I think is so it's cool. It's so cool. So fun. It's really
1: true. Um yeah, next, okay, let's get into our hot takes. Who wants to go first?
2: So here's mine, and I've been thinking about this since I read something uh, like a couple months ago and disagreed with it, and then was like, let let me see if this is actually true in the movie, and I, I still watch it and I still hold by this. I think Yoda and Ben were wrong, and Luke was right to go to Bespin, because he does rescue Leia and Chewie, and and the droids, and and Lando, if we kind of care about that. Um, He does, like, get out of the fight with Vader and survives. Um, The biggest problem he has in that fight is that they never told him the truth, which we'll get to more in the third movie. And, yes, Han gets captured, but, you know, that sets other stuff up. Like, I don't... And you can get into all of the kind of time travel nonsense of, like, if he doesn't go, does that mean that the Emperor knows he doesn't go, and so they never torture their friends in the first place? Like, I I, I think that kind of stuff is just nonsense, and I, I hate time travel. Uh, so I'm just going to say, like, once he knows that the like those people are being tortured, I think Yoda and Ben are wrong, and he was right to go. And I, 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 I say this mostly not just because I think it's a small plot point here, but to me, it sets up from the very beginning – the theme that i think we'll talk about so much more in later movies and the prequels and then the postquels and the books and and the shows that maybe yoda and ben weren't always right yeah
0: alex i just want to note real quick matthew i don't want to like actually disagree with you on this but i i don't believe that luke actually had any impact on leia chewie and lando escaping like lando went like, on his own, he, like, got, he got Lobot involved and, like, freed Leia and Chewie on his own and 3PO, and then they mm-hmm. escaped without Luke, I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, you can make the argument that, like, forces were diverted to lure Luke into a trap, yeah. but, like, from what we see on screen, I feel like Luke's, Luke doesn't actually succeed in doing anything, and they actually have to, actually, Lando, Leia, and them have to all risk their lives and go back to pick up Luke's torched butt <laughs> off the bottom of the Cloud City ship, or but Space still, Luke, young, Luke manages to escape. That. He
2: doesn't turn to the dark side. He doesn't do what everyone is afraid of. And, like, yeah, I don't think that Luke helps much necessarily. But I think all the things that Yoda told him, like, if you go, right. you will destroy everything they have fought and sacrificed for. That simply doesn't happen.
1: <clears throat> I think that's somewhat true. Like, what both of you had said, like, yeah. he doesn't have a huge impact. I think Landolea and Wookiee... <clears throat> would have been fine I I think they would have been fine but um, there's definitely an argument to be made for the distraction and the diversion of Mm
0: -hmm. forces if I might say one more note Mm -hmm. on this I actually really like this this idea Matthew but I, I think that the one thing I would argue that I think might actually prove true in the end is Yoda was so afraid for Luke to go and sure what he said didn't necessarily happen but because Luke abandoned his training I don't think he was actually prepared to, like, fight and beat the Emperor or or Vader. I mean, he loses in in Jedi. He mm-hmm. loses in Empire, too. He beats Vader, but then he loses to the Emperor in Jedi because he wasn't fully trained by Yoda. And if it wasn't for, spoiler alert, I mean, if it wasn't for Vader turning back to the light side and, and intervening, Luke would be dead. And the Death throw you know, I mean, the Death Star may or may not have gotten blown up in the end. I mean... But Luke would be dead. And so, as far as we knew at that point, I know we know now that, like, you know, Ahsoka's out there, and Grogu's out there, and all these other (laughs) Jedi are running around. But at that point, from what we knew in the canon timeline, the Jedi would have just been extinct because Luke didn't stay and train longer with Yoda. So, like, I totally see your point, Matthew, and I agree that, like, what Mm -hmm. Yoda said about, like, everything they felt, you know, you would turn to the dark side, everything they fought for to be for nothing... That's all – you're right. That was all wrong. But I just – I don't know. There's something about, like, the I, fact that Luke actually couldn't win without Anakin's help in the end.
2: Well, the, the, but remember – and this, I think, is more discussion to have during Jedi when we talk about that movie. But right. Luke didn't go there to defeat the Emperor. He went there specifically to turn Anakin back, which is what happened. And
0: – Do you think that – Sorry, to, go
2: ahead. And, and to me, I – like. And again, I think we'll get into this more in the movies, but part of why I think this is important, and I do think Lucas put this in somewhat intentionally, is I think one of the ideas that is built out more in Jedi, but then really explored, I think, in the postquels especially, but also somewhat the prequels and a lot of the novels, is that part of why Obi-Wan tried everything he could to stop Anakin from turning to the dark side and then turning him back, and he failed. And I think on some level, both for Yoda and Obi-Wan, they have to believe that trying to turn Anakin back is impossible because or else they have to ask, why did they fail it? You know, and again, that that comes in more right. in Return of the Jedi, and we can get to it
0: then, but I think yeah, that... We can talk about it more. I, I, it's just, that's just curious to me. Yeah. Um, my hot take is actually also a little bit surrounding Yoda. Um, it's that <laughs> I think that Yoda's whole, like act of being a a senile old man fool was kind of (laughs) unnecessary. Like, I get that he was like, you know, I need to, like, you know, kind of test Luke under the table to see if he's, like, worth my time. But Luke kind of just failed that anyway, got mad, and then Yoda was, like, it took Yoda all three seconds to be convinced by Ben. Ben's like, I was strong-headed, too. I was whatever, and Yoda's like, hey, all right, you're right. Let's do this. (laughs) Like, if Yoda had trepidations about Luke that strongly... Why would he not make that known at any point in the last 19 years when he, like, sent Obi-Wan to protect Luke? Luke has been the game plan. The only game plan they really had was Luke and Leia from day one after Anakin turned to the dark side. And Yoda was just like, I'm going to test you again anyway. I'm going to be kind of... And to me, it felt like just like a waste of Luke's time, kind of a silly (laughs) interjection. Um, Like, I just know the Yoda I know now is so, like wise and put together and like so much of that is what we see except for that one little weird bit where he acts like a crazy frog on ketamine <laughs> is, the, is the running meme. Um, and I don't know, like I get why he did it in theory, but like, it, it feels like it'd be different to me if like Luke was like this unknown that Ben was bringing into the equation, but Luke has been protected by Obi-Wan for almost 20 years. Yoda knows that he's, this, he's the offspring Anakin. He knows he's their best chance. So why even pretend like you're not going to train him? I don't know. It felt silly to me.
1: That makes sense. I think, I don't know. I see it as like a, because all your arguments make total sense. I see it as a fun little plot device, you know? Because then it keeps the audience in the dark for a little bit there too, which is nice. But...
0: Audience is always in the dark in Star Wars.
2: See, and this is the fun part about hot takes, because here, Alex, I do completely disagree with you. Like, I, (laughs) I, I think for me it does a couple. First of all, I think... Like, what you were talking about, like, the Yoda that you know, I I think you're somewhat reading, you're sort of saying, like, that this seems weird because everything that's set up in the prequels doesn't fit it, and to me, that always has to be the fault of the prequels, not this, because, you know, this is what came first, um, and I, I think what, I think you are correct in pointing out that there are some ways that what happens here doesn't line up with the way Obi-Wan and Yoda talk at the end of Revenge of the Sith, but again, to me, that's that's the fault of that movie, not this one. I, I do think, though, it's, I, I do think it's very important, though, especially given what does happen in that movie. Because, remember, one of the things that is most troubling and that most, in, in theory, kind of pushes Anakin towards the dark side is that when he's told he can't be, um, you know, he's not, you know, ready to become a Jedi master, he becomes this ridiculous, petulant child and and angry about it. Whereas Luke is like, no, 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 let me try and prove you wrong. Like, like to me, I, I think that – I, I, I will agree with you that Yoda changes his tune very quickly. And I think that's in part just because they didn't want to give us five more minutes of them going back and forth about it. But it is kind of a, like, skipped forward pretty quick. I, I think, to me, part of the idea – like, it's incredibly important that you test Luke's patience and that you, you point out, like, he thinks this is all about warfare, the force is supposed to be about peace and defense. Mm-hmm. He thinks this is all about like do it right now, do it right now no, this is supposed to be about being patient and being calm. And then also I think it's supposed to be about how do you deal with failure like I, I think I think if he, it to me if there is the argument of Yoda changes his mind too fast, it might be because he already thinks he's probably gonna train this kid but the for a the first lesson is being the ketamine frog on as, as you pointed out. And the second is, what happens when I tell this kid no? You know? Because that becomes, because in some ways, like, how are you going to deal with failure? How, the fact that Luke reacts the way he does and is able actually to come back from having that terrible encounter with Vader, I think is an important part of his training. Um, So I, like, I hear what you're saying, but it's funny because I was watching it being like, this is so brilliant. This is, it's subverting all the ideas. Well, it's subverting all the ideas that Western audiences also have, but in terms of the kind of, like, Lucas is drawing so much from samurai movies and that kind of idea. The idea of, like, you know, the, the grand wise master on the mountain who pretends not to be is very much a trope. And
0: so, to me, I think it's like if it's anything, it's playing into that trope, but it's doing it quite well. So, I so respond to two things I want to say to that. I think one thing... Is I think we, we read Luke's response a little differently because I, I feel like when I hear it, Luke immediately he's like, No, Ben, tell him I'm ready. I'm ready. I can do this. I, I'm not afraid. And like bumps his head. And he's like, Very like adamant. That, like it, it to me, but doesn't feel like a, necessarily like a, a calm headed, like, I mean, he does say like, Yeah, let me kind of let me prove it. But it also feels a little petulant to me. Like he's like almost about to throw a tantrum, like, Ben, Ben, tell him, Ben, tell can him. And I say, Maybe it yeah, feels Anakin an
2: start-
1: impatient. Yeah.
0: The Skywalker legacy, impatience—just
1: great impatience, which is exactly what Yoda was trying um, to test in him.
2: Yeah, I, I guess yeah, it's more the I, way I he reacts later that he does start listening to Yoda, whereas I just think An- Anakin's reaction is just so horrible to the whole thing. Luke also
0: gives up, though. If you remember, mm-hmm. he gives up on the X-wing, and Yoda literally is like, "That's why you fail because you like you gave up. You weren't willing to like give." I don't, I don't know. So, I mean, I just think that like Luke. Luke's whole training there is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars, but it also feels like, I, don't, like, like, it, I mean, this is worthy of a debate, but like, like I, to me it always felt like you know Luke did kind of give up. He gave into his frustration, his impatience, his anger, his fear. He oh, yeah. was like, I can't do this. I'm giving up. And then instead of finishing and working at it, he went off on an impulse to go save his friends, which I will just note, I think that a big reason Yoda and Ben were so against it is, if you recall, is Anakin's true downfall was he loved his friends too much? Anakin cared and loved the, loved his friends. He loved Padme. He loved everyone too much, and because of that, he was willing to go to extreme lengths to do to save them, to help them. He did, he he did some crazy dark shit when it came to Ahsoka and making sure she was okay. He you know he beat up Rush Clovis in the Clone Wars for Padme. He would torture people. Mm-hmm. Like I think that they they were, Ben and, and and Yoda were seeing, just like Uncle you know Uncle Owen says. Too much of his father in him. They're seeing those Anakin traits of rushing off, and he yeah. even said that you know, just like your father, rushing off to the horizon, never being here now. Mm-hmm. um And the other thing I want to I want to say that I think is a little interesting, Matthew, real quick. is just that it's like I I, I understand your point of view of like this came first, and so I like, think we should real quick. be based off of this. But I, yes. do you
1: guys want to get into more of this when we talk about how it fits into the story? You can finish your thought, but if we have more to say,
0: yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Go quick. ahead, please. Sorry, I was just, all I wanted to say was that like I feel like I look at it, and I think this was fun about this podcast. Actually, is that I look at it as I'm not looking at it as like the prequel sets up the sequel. Uh, pre- the prequel sets up the originals, or the original sets up the prequels. I'm seeing it. I'm trying to look at it as like a, a holistic, continuous storyline, mm-hmm. and. We can talk about this more in a minute, um, but I, I do think that, like, when you look at all the media, prequels, Clone Wars, originals, rebels, everything, Yoda Presents is this very calm, wise, you know, sure, he cracks little jokes here and there, but that's the only moment we see him go, like, full crazy ketamine silly man <laughs> who's banging on R2 and fighting him for a little piece of food. Um, and, you know, one can make an argument that he has been in exile by himself for a really long time and telling him to go crazy. But it just I don't know, it just feels out of character to me when you look at, holistically, Yoda and all the other parts of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it as that is the original and that's what it shall be based off of, sure, totally get your point, Matthew. But I think I do look at it as, like, a, that is just one portion of this larger puzzle yeah. of Yoda.
1: I feel and like... Yeah, we'll talk about it more... Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, I feel like this is a problem we're just going to keep running into every time we talk about anything. is like, Star Wars is infinite it's like a infinity sign you know because it It, all came out differently but yeah it's all at the same time so well and especially because i like i think
2: you know once again there's a whole rush of people talking on the internet about ray and oh ray became a jedi like luke is the ultimate mary sue like look how good we never once saw yoda say like use your lightsaber this way and yet he's really good with his lightsaber against Vader. Like, he holds his own. That, I, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think there's more we can talk about here. I'll just note, like, what you said about Anakin and why he falls because of love is his friends. We're going to have fun discussing that when we get to Revenge of the Sith. Because I see that very differently. So, Aaron, what is your hot take?
1: Yeah. Um, so, my hot take, I don't know how hot the take is. But it's a hot take in my mind from how it was. the scene was portrayed to me growing up. But, like... I don't have a problem with the Luke Leia kiss. I think it's (gasps) like incest gross, but they didn't know. And I think it's such a funny like Leia is such a savage for that. And in the past, I've never really paid attention to Luke. But if you see his face, oh, my God, he's like trying. He's so smug and he's like trying not to like enjoy the burn on Han. I don't think he's that pumped Mm -hmm. about being kissed. Like probably, yeah, too. But I think so much of him is just enjoying Han's face. And he kind of puts his arms behind his head and smirks. And then Han looks at him and he kind of like pretends he wasn't smiling. It's just it's a funny little moment that I also kind of stood out to me for the first time. And it really just like solidified that. I'm just like, yeah, it's a fun little thing in the plot.
2: I'm totally with you because A, A, they didn't know. And so I have no problem with like, yeah, they, they did something later. They'd be like, oh, that was dumb. But I think people make way too much of it. And also, and I think this is something I was noticed. I, I noticed this more once I started to pay more attention to the romance, so this wasn't the first time, Leia doesn't kiss Luke because she has any interest in Luke. Correct. Like, Leia kissing Luke is the biggest sign of, yes, she has a crush on Han, and she hates that he knows it, and she's doing everything she can to be like, no, 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 I, I like this guy, I like the sweet farm boy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to, and, and to me, like, in some ways, that makes Luke's whole, like, yeah, I'm the I'm the guy who gets it. Like, so much more fun, because he's completely wrong. He like, no she's idea. not interested in him. <laughs> um, you know? So, yeah. I, I think it's a beautiful scene. I think it's perfect. I think the fact that they later find out their brother and sister is a little weird, but it's not a big deal. And I, you know, I'm totally fine with it.
0: It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but I will say that in episode four, it does play off the same thing. In episode four, there was a moment where, like, Han goes, what do you think, kid? You know, princess like her, a guy like me, and Luke goes, no. Yeah. No. Like, that can't work. Because he, like, also kind of, I think, has a little thing for Leia. And so I, I think, like, I get it. Like, they don't know at the time. hmm And, like, I don't know. It, to me, it, it's, like, the one thing that kind of annoys, it, annoys me about Obi-Wan, actually. And, like, I love Obi-Wan. But, like, man, you could have told him or yeah. something, dude. <laughs> like, save this man the trouble. Like, you knew this whole time. And, like, I've pictured Obi-Wan, his Force ghostness, like, Watching from the from the from the ether, just like oh god, yeah. I happy. I'm happy. I'm not the one that has to like tell him this. And then later, it's like fuck. I have to be the one to tell
2: him this. <laughs> and, and I think that's another time. Like some of the people, especially when they were mad at the sequels, would be like, no, Lucas was perfectly planning out all of it. Lucas. No one they had when they had them kissed, They hadn't decided they were going to be a brother and sister yet. That's why Obi Wan doesn't say anything because no one decided it yet. Lucas was making this up completely on the fly in some regards. We love you. Yeah, George. literally. <laughs> we do
1: because that's the same thing as like star wars being inconsistent and all current is it's like ben come on bro you saw from the first he was like no replay that message she's so beautiful like tell the guy but then it's like and nobody knew not even george not even george Yep. (laughs) yep
0: Can I, can I tell you real quick, um, this doesn't fit in this podcast, but I want to tell you something real quick that I forgot to mention last okay. podcast. I found a really funny fact about episode four, of it. I think y'all think it's hilarious. But some of the R2 units were like early actual remote control robots. And one time one went like haywire and they lost control of it. And it went flying off on its own over a sand dune and right over the sand dune nearby there was a filming of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, and so in the middle of them filming a scene of Jesus walking through, or like the, the Jews walking through the desert, like disheveled and everything, uh, a haywire R2-D2 <laughs> went flying through the screen, through the sands, and they had to stop filming to wrangle this fucking lone droid. And I thought that was hilarious. I just wanted to share. That's beautiful. I love it.
1: That is the most R2 of R2s. Like, I just love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm picturing the scream as he like,
1: Wow! As he shoots through the <laughs> okay, Oh, God, that's go so funny. Well, yeah, let's just get into what did we love about this film this time? What stuck out? What did you love? Matthew, first.
0: Did, isn't that what we just discussed? Oh, we we just did have takes. takes. We
1: kind of went over it. But I guess if there's anything else like you really just love about this film you want to talk about. Or I can go I first. Think... Oh, Matthew,
2: go. To me, there's two things I'll name. Uh, one is, is I've said the romance. I've talked a lot about it. I'll just highlight two other things. First of all, is that, like, they have that beautiful kiss that C-3PO uh, interrupts, and, yep. and but then she doesn't stop, she doesn't, like, immediately change how she acts towards Han. Like, clearly she kisses him back, and, like, you know, she, like, it, 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 I think it's very clear, like, I, like I said, I think if you made this movie today, the dynamic between them would maybe be a little bit different, but I think it's very clear she consents to the kiss, she enjoys the kiss, but then she gets away as fast as she can, and then she's back to still, like... Giving Han shit, you know, and and not being like all lovey dovey with him, which makes her line at the end when she says, I love you so powerful and his response so powerful. And but also the thing I noticed is after the kiss, she starts to be a lot meaner to C three PO. And I don't think it's because like C three PO interrupted it, but I think it's because she's starting to side more with Han in terms of like what Han is like, and so that the last time Han is constantly telling C-3PO, don't tell me the odds. And then the last time he tries to tell them the odds, it's she who tells him to shut up. Um, uh-huh. So I loved that. And then, but mostly just, I love the philosophy of this movie. Like, so, and and I, I will talk later about how it has shifted and grown over time. But so much of, like, how I try to understand what it means to be a good person came from, you know, everything Yoda says about, like, you know... Mm-hmm. you know the the dark side like you know fear and anger are the pathway to and i some of the quotes that i have and like he says in 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 prequel movies and so i'm not trying to give exact quotes but like it, it the philosophy starts here and there's one part of it that i disagree with that i'll get to later but i do think that there there's so much here of you know that that believing in yourself and and the the way that if you're able to calmly assess the situation you're able to sort of you know be much more powerful about it um I just and I again there are like some of it later. I'm like, eh, this is kind of the kind of misogynist, like emotions bad, calm rationality is good. But I do think that there's a, there's so much beauty in it, and so much power in it that I just I just love how it 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 subverts the expectation not only of Luke but of the audience.
1: Yeah, powerful. Phone. What about you, what Would you love for me? Um, kind of on what you're saying, how Leia didn't choose or change how she acted. She's still like just picks on Han, just rips him apart. But at best, men Han chooses, or cha- oh my gosh, I can't word. Han changes how he acts towards Leia. Like, mm-hmm. they're waiting, and he goes over and kisses her on the forehead, and like, puts his hand like lovingly on her cheek. And I'm like, oh my God, such a simp, such a soft boy. Like, our mm-hmm. pretty boy flirt is really just wanting love. And it's very sweet to see the two of them like, fall into the relationship in different ways yeah yeah so basically just more of the romance i love it and then for me just the visual aspects of this film it's just so stunning like it's entertaining from start to finish just a few things that i really noticed like the green maps on the rebel base in hoth like just so beautiful so fun to look at everything about hoth The fight scene on Hoth, with all like each Walker takedown is so exciting and so fun to watch, and just yeah, like Dagobah is a whole new scene. I just really love Bespin. You know, such a cool idea. The city in the clouds, down is up. You know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think it's just a very creative film. It's very fun digit or it's very fun visually. Oh my goodness. And I really loved the Wampa aspect of it. And something that I knew, but never like put together was why the Wampa attack happened. And mm-hmm. it's cause as I'm sure you both know, um, Mark Hamill was in a near death car accident on his way to film parts of this second film And so then they added that at the start, just he has to get in some sort of accident because now he's got scars all over his face. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was just fun watching it with that in mind of like, oh, this is not at all how this movie was supposed to go. And we get this really cool creature and such a fun scene. And this is how, you know, Luke hears Ben talking. And it's just out of this mishap that, you know, Lucas created. And just it's the same idea of he has no idea what's gonna happen next, and he's flexible with it. And that's what's so, I think, exciting about these films in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. And I, I'm glad you brought up Bestman as the romance, because i never really understood the role Lando plays quite as much. I think actually that is one thing I got more this watch. I think part of the role Lando plays is to show Leia and and kind of to show Han like, um, Okay, Lando, sorry, Thank you. Lando, whatever. Um,
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, what are we doing here?
2: Lando, uh, Calrissian, um, that part of his role is that he's kind of showing Han the life he could have, but he's not going to choose because, as you said, he starts being like, no, I just want to be with Leia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because remember, that's one thing Leia says throughout the movie is that she part of why I think she's holding herself back is because he's just going to leave. He's just going to you know take the money and run like they thought he was going to do at the end of new hope and now he's just going to deal with his own death mark because um, a death mark's a hard thing to live with mm-hmm. in one of the most classically bad lines of dialogue mm-hmm. um, but but i think that's the idea is that like L- lando like he will just sell everybody out in a way that han never would and i think for lot i think for han that helps him like understand the role he wants to take but also really for leia that like that's part of what allows her to be like no han's not the guy i'm afraid of lando is but but not han and of course, even Lando turns out not to be. But that's another
0: thing.
1: <laughs> right. Alex, any more loves before we get going on our dislikes?
0: Yeah, just just two quick things. One, um, I really love, um, you know, in, in the first movie, we really, really, we get Tatooine, which is a desert planet. You get the sterile inside of the Death Star. And and you get, kind of get a little bit of of Yavin 4. But, like, for the most part, you're, like, indoors in that area as well. Like you're not really getting much of the planet. And here you really get three distinct new worlds that I think are really cool. I mean, you get you get Cloud City, you get Bespin, you get um, Dagobah, you get Hoth. And I think they really kind of took it to a new level with with the, yeah, you know, they had more money and more backing this time around, which is why they could travel more. But I think that like they really, did, like Aaron said, took it off with the visually stunning and very different, you know, scenes. Um, the other thing that, that I really love that I, I mentioned before is this is the first time we see Luke fight another person with a lightsaber. Um, and what I like about it is that, like, it, it again, and this is me basing it more on, on you know, with prequel inf- informing me, but Anakin loved to toy with people during yep. the Clone Wars, and he's toying with Luke so, so hard. hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, like, we all know that Anakin is one of the most skilled, like, you know, lightsaber, you know, swordsmen. And, of course, he's very limited now with his, uh, with his heavy suit by design. Um... But just toying with Luke and being like, if I do this, what do you do? If I do this, you know, like it's very reminiscent of like, you know, like someone like an older brother teasing their younger brother, like, you know, oh, ha ha, ha ha. And then like, as soon as Luke like just nicks him one time, Vader gets so pissed and just goes super hard on him and like within seconds cuts off his hand. Mm -hmm. He's like, you're not actually a good kid. I was letting you like get a few shots in. Um, It just felt, it it was just cool to me because it harkened back to like, You know, Clone Wars Mm -hmm. Anakin and just how he liked to to act even in when he was still a Jedi. So that was that was fun for me. The
2: simple fact that like Luke is using two hands and Vader's using one. Like the same weapon and Luke is like, this is like the heaviest thing. And and Anakin Vader is just like whatever. I'm doing this literally with only one hand. Like beautiful.
1: That's something that stuck out to me too. And it just always does, I think, growing up as a Clone Wars and prequel lover. Seeing those parts of Anakin and Vader, like, I noticed as soon as they started fighting, I was like, Luke is going way too hard on the offensive. Like, he clearly is unskilled, because he's never fought someone with a lightsaber before. And then, like you said, he nicks Vader, and Vader just flips a switch and just goes that, like, berserker rage mode we see from him so many times. Like, like you said, just, like, little dark moments of Anakin throughout the Clone Wars, and especially towards the end of the prequels Revenge of the Sith, where he just... Is just a monster of a person. Like I just flee, flee, because he's stomping towards you and he's gonna destroy you. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I always love seeing that same idea of Vader just toying with someone and then being like, "Okay, show's over. Shit's getting real."
0: Yup. I said that comic book, that comic book line, you know. We have you surrounded. You can't, you can, you can possibly beat 10,000 men or something like that. And Vader goes, Oh, I see your 10,000 dead men. <laughs> like some cold wine. Yeah. He like mm. just wrecks everybody. And I love Vader. Yep.
1: Yeah, he's a baddie. So, Matthew, anything that you don't like about this film, a film you've loved for so long, what is it?
2: So, like I said, I think some parts of Yoda's philosophy I'm not as down with anymore. Most of it, though, I am. And I, I think there's just so much more to explore there. But there's one part. I think trying is really, really important. And I like he says do or do not, there is no try. And then he quickly shifts into something that is similar but not the same, where the whole like and, and you were talking about this, Alex, before, that he's saying like the fact that Luke thinks it's impossible that he doesn't believe is why he fails. And that I think is very true. That I think like if you go into something thinking you're gonna fail, then yeah, you you likely are, that you have to be able to Make yourself believe there's a possibility here. And and often that means getting other people around you to help support you and help, you know, talk you through your own mental, you know, demons and stuff. I have certainly have a ton of them. But the, like, I think there's something so very toxic in do or do not, there is no try. Like, I think that there is something very, very healthy in saying, look, this is a million in one shot. I may not succeed, but it's still the very act of trying is good for me and, like, will be worthwhile, and that's okay. And that I'm going to judge myself on, like, did I do my best, not on what was the result. Um, So I think that was the one thing. And then, and this isn't really, like, a complaint about it, but it's just something I'm noticing. And I think this kind of goes into what you were saying, Alex, about the, you know, how did Han not notice Boba Fett's ship, but also how did the Empire not notice, like, the, the Millennium Falcon holding on right there?
1: Also, if Bobo was holding on with them, why didn't he tell Vader?
2: Well, yeah, but I I think the point here, being because I think he wants to get the money, but I think the the overall point being, I, I think this is a problem with any kind of science fiction, is that when we in 2023 were watching what people in the 1970s and 80s thought the future would be like, and we often forget, like... Most of the technology we have today is better than most people could have imagined 40 years ago. Like, watch some Star Trek stuff from, like, the 60s and 70s. They thought that computers would be monochrome in the 24th century or 23rd century or 22nd. Don't – this is a Star Wars podcast. Don't don't write in your angry emails. (laughs) But, like, I I think that's – in the same way, like, I love Rogue One – But anyone who understands how data technology works now, the idea of, like, the data being sent only to this one ship, like, that doesn't make any sense. Come on. Um, You know, so it's just it's not a bad thing. It's just something I'm like, OK, I got to I got to roll my eyes a little bit. Remember, like, this is what people in 1981 were imagining the future would be.
0: Yeah. So, I just want to respond to what Matthew said before I, I give my thing. And, and I, I think it's interesting because I read it so differently, Matthew, in that I feel like do or do not, there is no try, is more like you do it or you fail. Like, like don't, like, kind of half-ass it. And what I think, like, I get what you're saying, like, you know, there is absolutely value in trying, but I think there's more value in failing. Because there were so many times that I have, like, failed just miserably at something. And I learned so much from it. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's kind of what Yoda, at least I'm hoping, is getting at is, like, just go out there and do it. And if you and and, and then if you, if you don't do it and you fail, you fail. Like like I don't know. Like I see. I, I think I, I see how you're reading it is like just do it or don't. Don't even like don't like try and tr- don't don't just try. But to me, it's like go out there and do the thing, and you're either going to succeed or you're going to fail. But like if you like half dip your toe in or you half kind of put your heart into it, then you're just destined to always fail. So like if you kind of go into fighting Vader or go into trying to save your friends or whatever you're doing you know, put all of your, just everything into it, you were doomed from the start to fail versus like, just go out there and just do it. Or don't do it and fail. But don't like be somewhere in the middle. Is that? That's just kind of how I always interpret it at
2: least. I, 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 no, I, I think I interpret it the same way. I just think half-assing okay. things is good. Like I think you should sometimes right. be willing to say, I don't have it in me to do the best I could. I'm going to half-ass this and that's, you know, I can cook a three-course dinner, Or I can just like half-ass this and warm up some mac and cheese, and that's okay. Like
1: that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At first I was like, I'm on Matthew's side, and then I was like, I'm on Alex's side, and now I'm like, um, I see both point of views. But I really do what you're saying, Matthew, just now about how trying can work, even if it's half-assed. Like it resonates with me as a person who is incredibly stressed and has way too much going on to be like. Mm It's okay sometimes to say, you know what, I'm not going to study for that test because I have an A. So even if I bomb it, I will pass the class because something really horrible has happened in my life and I don't have the energy to do it 100%. So yeah, it's like, I think both sides apply. And that's why what he says is so interesting and why it's so talked about, I think, is because there is this discourse of like, what exactly does he mean? And is it trying is bad? Is it that trying is good, but you should never view it as trying. You should view it as like. Doing 100% it's just there's so much to talk about with it
2: yeah and and I do think like probably my view of it's colored by the fact that at least two generations of gym teachers then use this as the like you know you just do it there's no such th- you, you know the kind of like you and, and this I think became a big thing in like business and like employee like of just like you you can't accept failure failure is not an option and that's what I'm just like I get off the train
1: yeah it's been used uh, in a really toxic way without discussion about the nuances almost
0: yeah
2: Alex. What about you? Would you not like, or it didn't work for
0: you? Um, I just wrote down a a a couple things here. Um, one is I get to a degree why Ben didn't want to get involved. Like he keeps saying, like I once you fight, you know, Vader, I I can't get involved. But at the same time, I feel like the way he kind of intervened in in Luke's head and gave him a little boost of inspiration when he was attacking the Death Star, I feel like Obi Wan could have. He could have showed up as a ghost and spooked Anakin. He could have, like... And, like, I get it, He wants Luke to do it on his own. He wants Luke to learn. I get all that. But even just, like, a little bit of, like, you know, inspiration, especially when Luke didn't finish his training, just kind of leaving him high and dry. It feels a little <clears throat> a little cold to me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the other things are, are a bit smaller. Well, I just cannot... I'm sorry. I just can't get over the fact that C3 fucking PO, <laughs> but Anakin built as a child and, like, has had his entire life... It's just sitting there. So is R2-D2. They're just there. And Anakin's just like, Doo, do 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 murdering Han, doing whatever I need to do, like, just ignoring the fact that his two beloved droids, R2 is like, again, in the corner, he's wanting to die for this droid. Nope. I don't know. It, it's just, it's something I could never get past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still couldn't get past it this time. Because <laughs> it just bothers me so much that you, like, you're not going to, and I understand that, like, we don't know that he built the droid. We don't. If it's just a product of the order they were made in, but it's just.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. When I look at it as a holistic story, it just really annoys me. So saying, and, and I guess to me, that, um,
2: I, I guess to me that, and this is just what would always be different. But like to me, that's always the failure of the prequels. Like, you, you it, if they set up something that makes this movie not work, like blaming this movie for it just doesn't. Makes sense to me. But but I do, I hear what you're saying about the whole... I think now that the whole thing is one holistic story, you're right. Those moments in this movie feel weird.
1: Yeah. For me, I'm going to be honest, yeah. there's nothing that happened when I watched this film last night that made me be like, eh. Like, I really just enjoyed it. There wasn't much that didn't work too well that you guys haven't already kind of talked about and covered.
2: I mean, just... that probably makes you the healthiest of the three of us, but like, you know.
1: Hey, and, just wait till we um, get to the Clone Wars.
0: That's fair. Oh. That's fair. That's going to be something else. Um, I had one more very tiny little thing. I'm curious. To either you know the answer to this. Where's the money? Hot has all the money. He like loads it up into his, into the Falcon. Like he has the money. They have paid him. That's true. And yet he doesn't use it to pay Jab off. He doesn't use it to pay Lando. He doesn't use it to seemingly do anything. Did did all of that money just disappear?
2: No, he's Wh- not. Where did it go? He's I- not willing to leave Leia. That's the point. He keeps saying, I'm saying, "I will go pay it. I will go pay it." But he doesn't want. He doesn't actually want to because that would mean leaving Leia. I,
0: I- no, you're correct, Matthew. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying even with Leia, he still has that money, right? Yeah,
1: but if he so gives it, it to, oh yeah, the where is it stands. No, no.
0: Even if he doesn't give it to Jabba, he doesn't give it to Lando when they get stuck in Bespin. They don't. He doesn't give it to anyone. He just. It seems like he's just perpetually like broke and like doesn't. I mean, maybe he gives it back to the Rebellion. I don't know. It just feels like there's this this 20,000 credits that's just lurking on the Millennium Falcon somewhere that we never get to see. And that thing, that thing needs some, some work done on yeah. it. And instead he has Chewbacca taking shit apart in a fucking hangar on Hoth instead of get, getting someone to help them. I don't know. It's just... Again, I love this movie so much. Everything I don't like about it is very nitpicky, but like, that's just, I'm like, that I mean, is the, the, economics, the
2: economics of this universe, especially down to the fact that we learn in Andor that, like, no, there's no such thing as paper money. Money is just coins mm-hmm. everywhere. It makes no sense whatsoever. Like, I'll be the first to say that. So true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Favorite character, but oh, go ahead.
1: No, yeah. Favorite characters? Alex? Uh,
0: okay favorite character is probably Yoda just because I I've always loved Yoda I love the like the whole wise master trope that Matthew had talked about earlier um I just I think that, especially after he comes down from his like you know it it sure the ketamine frog thing like I still find it funny and humorous it bothers me a little bit but I find it funny um but like him training Luke and all of that and just like this you have all this craziness going on in the galaxy. You, you know, you keep cutting through these high, high action scenes in space with with the Millennium Falcon running away from the Imperial fleet, and Vader constantly on the move, and and it's so much bureaucracy. And then you get down to this just overgrown planet with this little green monk. Basically, <laughs> he's so calm and like lives in this little hut. And I just I get so attached to him. And like the more I the more I I learn about him over the years, and the more I it makes me love him more. But even from the very first time I saw him, I was like, whoa like this is that's also like our first you know i don't know our first like jedi for i mean we don't know Vader as a human i guess technically but like our first non-human that we really see is a is a force user at that point and like to think that the, the the grand master the one that trained obi-wan um is this little tiny guy it just it just it just kind of gave more of that idea of like Yoda, you know, you can be anything. Like if you're, you judge me by my size, to you? Like, you know, you you can. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you look like, who you are. If you, are you know, you're trained, you're disciplined, you can do anything. Um, and then I just want to give a slight shout out to the first showing of the Emperor because the Emperor, mm-hmm. love of my life, so badass. Um, just, just ugh. even though we only got him for a brief moment in a hologram, I just, I'm so happy we got to be introduced to the, to the evil big bad working in the shadows.
2: Yep. Though I, I will say I, I, I don't think we can go too, too deep into this because this is kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing, and, and this episode's already going long. But I'll put in the show notes a link to an article that explains that not only did they reshoot that uh, scene because they they wanted now Ian McDermott, the actor who plays Palpatine in Return of the Jedi and then in later things, to be the Emperor because it had been someone else entirely. I think actually, Alex, you pointed out it was a woman originally in the in the original version. But also they changed the dialogue somewhat to make it more clear that Vader is kind of trying to be evasive about like, him knowing who Skywalker is. And that the Emperor is like, not only like, saying, like, we need to go get Skywalker, but he's kind of testing Vader. like, He kind of suspects that Vader's loyalties are, are mixed here. Um, yeah. And it's a, yeah. it's a pretty significant change. And I think the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. I think this time I like it a lot more, but it, it'll be in the show notes. So I just want to kind of throw that out there.
0: Do you think, real quick, Matthew, do you think that he knows that Vader's feelings are mixed at this moment, or that he just has fears, based on how Anakin acted in the past, that he would possibly, the only possibility of Vader betraying him would be for his own child, because of his connection with Padme? So, wait, who? If
2: I'm, if I'm going to get teased for Londo, then we're going to be teasing that, like, Anakin's wife's name is two syllables. Padme. It's Padme. Not, you said Padme.
0: Padme, Padme. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, um, I I'm torn on it, and like I recently I recently listened to the Doctor Afra audiobook, which is phenomenal. I had not been able to read the Doctor Afra comics, but I think this is kind of similar, and she's a great character. I love so much about it. Um, but slight spoiler here. It it takes place between the end of A New Hope and the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, and in it, Vader is trying to use her to locate information about luke without uh including his name without be be without letting the emperor know and i i don't love how it's set up i don't think it quite fits but i do think it does a good job of kind of introducing the idea that like vader certainly didn't want the emperor to know Mm -hmm. and and he wanted to at least have more information about it sooner and so i don't I I think the point is supposed to be that the Emperor is kind of testing Vader to see if Vader actually has these mixed feelings or not, and I think he clearly does. I think it's kind of part of why so many Imperial officers died, and that's kind of what he's talking about, the subtlety of, uh, and again, that was something I totally missed as a kid. It was just like, no, like the the Vader-Anakin fight is really happening during this movie, Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, so I, I'm not quite sure what the Emperor knows, and I think we're not supposed to be like I wouldn't want something to later tell me exactly what they knew. I think the point is the mystery of it. It's fair,
1: yeah. Aaron, um, oh, I had something to say about what you were just saying. Vader, Anakin, Emperor. Nope. Um, favorite characters, favorite moments. Well, <laughs> I'm a little biased. Uh, this time through, my favorite was in fact uh, Lando Calrissian. Um, But I did also just last weekend see a burlesque performance of Lando Calrissian to the song Redbone by Childish Gambino, and so yeah, it was just really Lando on the mind, I guess, lately. But I just loved, you know, Billy D. Baker is that his name? Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. Okay, Billy D. Williams. I mixed it with Bradley with D. Bradley Baker. Rex on the mind there, buddy. Uh, clearly. <laughs> um. But yeah, I enjoyed that. Um.
2: Yeah, he's a phenomenal character. He, yeah, he, and like Billy D. Williams is just like I love Harrison Ford, but Billy D. Williams is just like charisma of twenty. Like he's just that charm. Yeah.
1: Of love. <laughs> for sure. Any final thoughts? Little things you noted throughout.
2: Uh well, I, for me, my favorite character moments. Um,
1: oh, sorry. I thought we. I, I,
2: my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I uh, know you're fine. You're, I i noted too. Um, uh, the biggest. The, the the two I had, the first one I've already talked about, about how Lando kind of sh- shows Han the route that he could take and shows Leia how different uh, Han is. But also just, like, puppets are cool. like And and part of this may be because I grew up on the Muppets, and so I just love Jim Henson puppetry. But, like, even now, nothing about Yoda looks to me like a fake. Like, it looks to me like that is an actor, like, who just looks like that. And clearly, know that's not the case. But, like... Even just the 80s, the puppetry technology of like making the ears move and the face. And like as a kid, I watched Jaws as a kid. I watched like some horribly <laughs> scary movies. And the thing that gave me nightmares was Yoda saying, like, you know, Luke's like, I'm not afraid. Yeah. You will be. You like that was
1: terrifying. That was to so me. scary. I've never noticed and- that before, but it was very scary.
2: And again, I don't want to go. I don't want all every episode to all just be like, "Well, I saw it this way, and you saw it that way." And, and I, but for me, CGI Yoda never worked. Like this, this puppet Yoda is always going to be my Yoda, and this looks so much more real than I thought every CGI I just did. And I just like will get so much more puppetry later. Um, but I was just watching it again. I was just really blown away. Like that, unless it, it, I know that it's a puppet, but nothing in my brain is telling me that that's anything but a real living creature.
0: Matt, we'll get into it more when we get into the prequels, but I'm curious if you can think back to when you first saw this movie or when you were growing up before the prequels came out. How did you imagine Yoda moved as a younger man in the heyday of the Jedi? Did you imagine him fighting with the kind of crazy force jumping style he does in like episode two or?
2: Oh, I mean, we'll talk about that because I think that is incredibly ableist what they did. That's one of the things that makes me so angry about that movie because, you know, he's like to me, part of the. The beauty of his character is not only that he's small, but he's disabled. Like, he's an old man. He walks with a cane. Um, and I, I don't think I ever thought of him as a younger person. He, I, I think part of the idea, you're supposed to think, like, you know, in that kind of, like, back to the future, you know, oh, you go back in time. And that, that same guy's the headmaster of your school, and he still looks super old. You know, I, right. I i always thought there was a Yoda that existed as a much younger person, but I just never – I can't say I ever gave it any thought.
0: You ever gave any thought? That's fair. Yeah. Um, I have, sorry, Aaron. I have one final thought on yeah, Yoda. Yeah, that's go
1: ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say final. Y'all thoughts? ever
0: think about? I want to hear my man play the flutes. He's got the, those little flutes hanging around his neck. <gasps> yeah, I, I don't. It's a pan. I don't know what the proper term is in the Star Wars universe, but they go kind of like pan flutes that like a satyr would mm-hmm. wear. Um, in Greek mythology, and I just I want I I, I can't in my brain imagine Yoda jamming out on the flutes <laughs> on some log in Dagobah. I, I need that to be like a... Just give me like a, a, a one to two minute, even if it's animated, something on Disney+, Plus where I can just see Yoda hanging out in Dagobah, practicing his little pan flute in his spare time. Like That, to me, would be really funny. That would be I, so
1: precious. I
2: would love that. That sounds amazing.
1: Final thoughts, Matthew?
2: It's a phenomenal movie. You know, I... <clears throat> the last thing I wrote down was one-handed versus two-handed, which I brought up. I think we've we've said so many interesting things. Um uh I oh I guess I just my final thought, again, not not disagreeing, just a different perspective. I never saw it as Ben deciding that he wasn't going to help. I thought it was just that whatever mystical power allowed him to appear to Luke in these very specific ways, like wouldn't work with Vader around or like wouldn't work outside mm-hmm. of these specific places. Um but yeah, I think that w- the way you say it is is different. But the way to me, what I hear is when he says like I can't intervene, is more just like it, it's just not physical possibly for me. Um, beyond that, though, last thoughts, I I do think it's just a phenomenal movie. And like I think intentionally watching it with these eyes makes me realize it's it's even better. Like I do like it a lot more even than I thought. Like and I I still am gonna place it number five just because the other four I like just a little bit more for various reasons that are probably more nostalgic than anything else. Well, not with Rogue One and uh, Last Jedi, but like it is still just a phenomenal movie. And I don't, I don't think there's any way I would like, I think I don't think it makes a new hope better, but I do think that Return of the Jedi only works because it fits so seamlessly into everything this one sets up. Mm. And, and in some ways, maybe part of why I dislike Rise of Skywalker so much is because it's, it is so disjointed from number two from uh, Last Jedi. Whereas I do think that like, everything I love about Return of the Jedi works because it was
0: set up in this. Yeah. I, I, I want to give a, an actual more serious final thought too, and not just you go to playing a pan Please fleet. do. Um, but I, I would just want to, I want to echo what Matthew said and in, in, in that I think it, it does set up Return of the Jedi very effectively. I also think that this movie to me, at least embodies a lot of what Star Wars is all about. And that's like, Star Wars to me is about an uphill battle. You're fighting a greater evil. Like Maz said in episode 7, it's taken many forms. The Sith, the Empire, the First Order, it's all this overwhelming oppressive force. And to me, like, it's this moment that the Empire's gained ground. They're winning, you know. Han has been frozen in carbonite. Luke had his arm cut off. Like, they've taken over Bespin. The, The Rebels are on the run. Their base has been blown up. Like, Rebels are scattered to the wind. It feels like we're on the brink here, but it's still, the movie doesn't end You know, with anything like extra dark, it it ends with Luke and Leia. Like Luke has his arm back, he puts his arm around her, and like you get this sense of like, you know, things are gonna be okay. It's just a tiny sliver of hope. And I actually think the the genius of like, you know, they pan out, and so it's like it it pans out. You know, they're they're staring out the window, and they pan out for the final final shot of the film. And they get farther back and you can still no matter how much space you see around them you can still see this little speck of bright white where they're standing like and it's to me it's like no matter how dark and oppressive and the odds can be completely stacked against you there's always at least a sliver of hope an ember that is just waiting to be like to be ignited and it it just really resonates with me that that's how you know lucas shows to end this film of like yes the empire is powerful yes they're gaining ground but, but our heroes are not going to give up and, and you shouldn't give up either. And so I've always really thought that that was such a great tone to end that movie on, especially because it is a darker film overall. Um, and it really does set up set up Jedi because it also sets up Jedi to like, you know, mm-hmm. to, we, we don't know if Luke is going to like go berserko dark side mode and <laughs> we, we don't know what's going to happen. And I'm sure I, I can only imagine and I'm sure Matthew can talk to this and I actually would like to hear you speak to this Matthew about from what you remember, but after this movie came out, what some of the speculations were like, what did we think was going to happen with Luke? What did we, do we think Vader was lying to him? Like, what did y'all, what did you imagine? What did your friends imagine? What were the conversations like back in 1980 about like, what is this next movie going to be? I mean, I guess you were three, were you three in 1980?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I was born in 1977. Like I said, I have no memory of not having seen these movies. I do remember seeing return of the Jedi in theater Okay. But I, I was five or six. Like I can't tell fair, you okay, I remember fair these, enough, fair but enough. I, but I do think, like, yeah, I was very curious about that. I wanted to know what was gonna happen. Like in some I think in part that's part of why I don't like the Java scene, because I was like, who cares? Get me to Luke. Like get me to like Luke and Vader. Mm-hmm. Um I, I will just also say though, I love that you pointed out the hope at the beginning of the movie, because I think it is so important, especially because it goes so well with the first part of the movie. Which is, I think, in many ways, one of the most enduring lessons of the movie, which is, yeah, you, you won one major battle against one major part of the Empire. You're still completely outnumbered and completely outgunned and completely on the run. And, like, that start, mm-hmm. I think, is such a letdown from the end of A New Hope, but it feels so real. And I just love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Final thoughts for me. I don't. As Alex hit y'all with the serious, I'm going to hit y'all with the unserious. So, a few things I noticed and appreciated. What you guys were saying, how Vader's so emotionally unstable. Like, my guy is appointing a new Admiral every other scene. Like, Mm -hmm. force choking somebody (laughs) over FaceTime is crazy. Like, imagine getting (laughs) fired over FaceTime, but you're fired because you're dead. And then he just looks at the next guy and calls him Admiral. And the other guy's like, shit, okay, I guess I'm the Admiral now. I just, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so good. And also, like, to me, it's like, oh, yeah, that's funny. That's cool. But we do, it's cruelty. You know, Vader is cruel. And that's, we're reminded of that when Han comes back to kind of their prison cell on Bespin after being tortured. And he says, he didn't even ask me any questions. Yeah. Like, that's, I kind of forget Yo. sometimes because my love of Anakin and Vader such like a baller that it's like, haha, ha. And then it's like oh, shit, like, he's just fucking around because he's mad. He's like, where's Luke? Yeah. I'm not even going to ask you where's Luke. I'm just going to torture you because I hate you.
2: Like, I think that's one of the things that's most important It's such a good point, and that even, like I said, there's an Anakin-Vader struggle kind of happening, but it's not, it has nothing to do with leaving the dark side. It is the very, very dark mm-hmm. side thing of eventually you should overthrow your master and take power yourself. Like, mm-hmm. and Here's one thing I think the, the prequels got perfectly, is that, you know, Anakin doesn't say, like, Vader, but that's kind of the point, Vader doesn't say to Luke, the Empire is wrong, we need to bring back the Republic. He says, like, we can overthrow the Empire and rule the galaxy as father and son, we can bring peace and order, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Anakin says, you know, where Anakin is so frustrated by the Republic and that they can't seem to win this clone war and that he just could... It just had the smart people in charge, you know? Vader is just as fascist at the end of this. It's just that he wants him and Luke to be in control instead of him and the Emperor.
0: Well, he also, like, I mean, if you remember in episode three, he even makes the same offer to to Padme of, like, you know, we can overthrow the Emperor. Like, I'm more powerful than him. We can rule the galaxy together, make things the way we want them to be. Like, he... And, and I think that does stem from, like, the fact that as a child he was a slave, and, like, he had no power, and now he wants all of the power. Valid. And he was, I don't know. I, I, I'll, we'll get into that more in the prequels, because I have some strong thoughts on Anakin as a, as a slave child. Um, But I, I do, <laughs> that was really funny, Erin. What? <laughs> Just all, all of your unserious thoughts there were- No, literally, were, in were my funny.
1: notes I wrote- uh... Cause you know Captain Nita's like, well, I'm gonna go update Vader and apologize. I wrote down yeah. Captain Nita's so dead. Two lines later, L O L Nita dead. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Dude, and
0: also like what I like to think about is like him and his little bubble. Cause Vader has that like little like Vader's dome claw bubble. he goes into. Yeah. yeah, so he can like take his helmet off and like breathe like a normal person for ten minutes at a time. Um and I just I just picture him like what does he do in that bubble? Like, he, he can't see the screen in the bubble. He has to, like, does he just hit in there meditating, you think? Like, is he, does Sith meditate? Can they sit still that long? Like,
2: yeah. Lord I think it's supposed to be done. meditation, but I think it's also supposed to be just like, we're not supposed to know. Yeah. Though I will no, just right. say, and, and I, an- I do like a- another just one sorry, beautiful line that I didn't really think then we should wrap up, but um, that says so much about Vader is when Vader's like, we're not going to let asteroids stop us. We must do this. We must do this. The Emperor wants to contact you. Leave the asteroid field at once. Like, that is such a clear sign of, like, where... where All right, so, yeah,
1: clearly we all have more to say on this film and all of these films, which you'll hear more of in the future. But that's all for today. That's kind of our thoughts on The Empire Strikes Back. Thank you for joining us. Please hit us with feedback if you guys have thoughts, opinions. If you were yelling at your radio or phone while one of us was spewing some bullshit, let us know. But do it respectfully, you know? We're always happy to hear people's thoughts and feelings. You can DM. We now have a Instagram, Star Wars Generations podcast, or it's SW podcast. Oh, gosh, I'm so bad at that. SW podcast. We're the same thing on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So message us. Give us a follow. We'll keep you updated on what's going on. Um, Other than that, we do have our members section afterwards. So if you're a member, go ahead, stick around. We'll be talking about a certain point of view um other than that alex where can we find you yeah
0: guys uh so if you listened before i'm a photographer um i work that's my day job so if you guys want to check out some of my work you can find me on instagram at alex corman twelve. Oh, jesus you can find me on instagram at alex corman 12 that's k-o-r-m-a-n-n then the number 12 or alexcormanphoto.com you follow me along. Eventually, you'll see more photos of Erin in her lovely Ahsoka cosplay or one of her many new cosplays. Yeah. Hoping to get some of those first exclusive shin yeah. looks that comes together.
1: Absolutely. Matthew, what are your shout outs? Where can we find you?
2: Yeah. So I am the Ethical Panda. Um, it used to be that was these podcasts, but now that I've got to like give some room to the other hosts, you know, we, we'll still have Ethical Panda as a way to contact me, but and contact us about the shows, uh, but also the. Uh, Star Wars Generations. I think it's SW Generations on Twitter, but like all all that's going to be in the show notes. You can email us. We've gotten our first email. We have some listener email that we'll talk about during Return of the Jedi, which I'm really excited for. As Aaron said, please keep sending them in. Please think about becoming a member. Please think about, um, yeah, it's just five bucks a month. Great way to support us. Great way to support uh, what we're doing. You get free content. You get out of free content uh, and all sorts of great things like that. So thank you, Aaron, so much for taking the, the the reins today. Alex, thank you as always so much for being a co-host. Thank you to all of you for listening. We Wait, have I need to spoken. shout
1: myself out. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, y'all. I'm at Lady Tano Creates Instagram and TikTok. I'm a cosplayer. Shin is upcoming. Mystique is upcoming. Ahsoka and original character are always in progress. And that's our show, Matthew.
0: We've spoken. Stay classy, huh?
1: Away, put your weapons.
0: We mean you harm. I, I love the just, the the voice acting <laughs> unhinged line that you throw in every week. This should be It is bit. my I'm bit sorry. now.
1: I'm writing down there. a quote every week. That's my bit. With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.